Krishna, Anchakalpa, Kribyascha, Kripasindu, Devacha, Titanam, Bhavanadio, Vaishnavadio, Namaha. So this is Ravinda Srutas here, and we are on Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 21, called Explanation of the Vedic Path. And we're up to text number 10. Now this is going through uh, the, um, maybe you got that, the, 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 text, the text I sent out with the text translations and topic headings that I added, give you kind of outline of the chapter. This is uh, uh, also titled The Pros and Cons of Karma Yoga. And so we have been discussing the the proper determination of what is pious and impious. Uh, and then uh, with text 7, is introducing the topic of restricted sense gratification. That is to say, the karmakanda portion of the Vedas. Or it also applies to bhakti yoga, especially for those who are practicing bhakti yoga mixed with karma. Karma, Mishra, Bhakti. Pure devotional service is just pure, but there's Karma, Mishra, Bhakti, Jnana, Mishra, Bhakti, and so on. So this take, takes place with the purity, impurity, and purification of objects with text 7. Uh, and so he's... Uh, Udav, uh, Christian tells it of a... I've, I've restrict, to restrict materialistic activities, I've established what's proper and improper among things in this world, material objects, substances, time, space, and so on. And then in text 8, he talked about when play, what considers a place to be pure and impure. Remember where the, where the footprints of the spotted antelope are and all those things. And then nine uh, was about when a time is considered to be a pure or impure time. So now, uh, going from 12 through 10, 10 through 13, we're going to discuss the impurity and impurity of objects. Uh, the word that's being used here for object is dravya which also means substance or even an element, uh, you know, a basic element of creation. But it also just means an object. And in grammar, uh, the word drove just means a single individual. It has this range of meanings. But here, uh, it's, it's, it's translated as objects. So we're starting with, with text number 10. Before I... I Start the recitation. We'll say Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So ten says Drovasya Shuddha Shuddicha. Uh, 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 Drovyena Vachanena Cha. Uh, Samskare Nata Kalena. Mahatva, Mahatva uh, So this says um, the uh, dravyasya concerning an object, 
shuddhi and ashuddhi, those two words in the beginning, if you look at the word for word, purity and impurity. So the word for purity is shuddhi. Shuddha means pure, so shuddhi. Purity, ashuddhi, impurity uh, is a negative. Uh, uh, uh. So it's established, uh, and then it says, by means of drovya, uh, which is translated, excuse me, which is translated here as another object. The word, the word drovya, the purity of an object, is established by an object. In other words, one object can purify another object. Uh, uh, like water can sprinkle on something can purify it. We do when we do archman. Yeah. Uh, vachanena, by speech. Uh, 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 samskarena, by samskara. A, a purificatory performance. They say a ritual performance. Uh, kalena, by kala, time. And then mahatwa, Alpata. These two words, mahatwa means greatness, and alpata means smallness. Atava, or else. <laughs> An object's purity or impurity is established by application of another object, by words, by rituals, by the effect of time, effects of time, or according to relative magnitude. Uh, it's interesting to read the comment of Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur on this. Um, and uh, then he says here uh, in his commentary, uh, objects, places, and time, these things that are discussed in this section, were mentioned in verse 7. That's where the topic was introduced. Now, the, now impurity of objects is shown in four verses. Objects like plates are purified by water. You wash them. <laughs> uh, or made impure by urine or other impure items. Objects are made pure or impure by words. I guess sometimes by chanting mantras. Om Pavitrava. When there's a doubt, if a brahmana says an object is pure, it is pure. I guess that's by words. If he says it is impure, it is impure. Objects are purified by cleaning, sprinkling with water, etc. We have in the altar a little special achman spoon. We put three drops of water on something and put it on our hands. It's pure. This is how flowers are purified. They are made impure by smelling them. I guess if it's a prasadam flower and you pass it around, it's okay. <laughs> it can't be contaminated. Then they, he goes on to talk about time. New rainwater becomes purified by waiting 10 days' time. I guess all the dust you can settle. I don't know why. But anyway, that's what he says. Water is impure if not left for that time. Bodies of water used by outcasts are pure if they are large like say a river, or an impure if they are small. That's what he says. Now, uh, I want to read uh, what the, uh, the BBT commentary 
they say, cloth is purified by application of clean water and contaminated by application of urine. The words of a saintly brahmana are pure, but the sound vibration of a materialistic person is contaminated by lust and envy. A saintly devotee act explains actual purity to others, whereas non-devotees make false propaganda that leads innocent people to commit polluted sinful activities. Pure rituals are those meant for the satisfaction of the Supreme Lord, while materialistic ceremonies are those that lead their followers into materialistic and demoniac activities. So samskarena. There, there can be also impure rituals. The word samskarena also indicates that the purity or impurity of particular objects is ascertained according to the regulations of ritualistic performances. For example, a flower to be offered to the deity must be purified with water. Flowers or foodstuff cannot be offered to the deity, however, if they have been contaminated by being smelled or tasted before the object, before the offering. The word kalena, that's by means of time, indicates that certain substances are purified by time and others contaminated by time. Rainwater, for example, here they got this from Shura Swami, is considered pure after 10 days' time and after three days in case of emergency. So some other commentator is... Sometimes that makes a difference. Under emergency conditions, there are different rules. On the other hand, certain foods decay in time and thus become impure. So time causes impurity. Mahatwa, that's largeness or greatness, indicates that great bodies of water do not become contaminated, and alpayata means that small amounts of water can easily become polluted or stagnant. In the same way, a great soul is not polluted by occasional contact with materialistic persons, whereas one whose devotion to God is very small is easily carried away and put into doubt by bad association. So that if, if, you're, if your Christian consciousness is fragile and fresh and new, you can easily lose it by bad association. But if you're fixed in Krishna consciousness, it doesn't affect you. And that's a good point to make here. In terms of combination with other substances, and in terms uh, of speech, ritual, time, and magnitude, the purity and impurity of all objects can be ascertained. Srila Vishnu Chakravarti remarks that impure or decayed food is certainly forbidden to normal persons, but is permissible for those who have no other means of substance. I didn't see that in that translation, so I, I don't know exactly where he says that. But anyway, uh, so that's 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 the the commentaries on that that particular uh, topic. Uh, then, uh, text number 11. Uh, 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 here, Shaktya Ashaktyata Va Buddha Samridya Cha Yad Atmane Agham kurvanti hi yata deshavastanisarataha. 
the translation impure things may or may not impose sinful reactions upon a person, depending upon that person's strength or weakness, intelligence, wealth, location, and physical condition. Uh, uh, so, uh, these are other considerations for purity or impurity, depending upon shakya or ashakya. Shakya means having power, or ashakya, impotence, without power. Or one particular person's strength or not strength. This must be where that other remark comes from. Uh, things that it's a person who's strong or potent will not be affected by an impure thing, while somebody weak will. Or uh, other 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 things depending upon uh, intelligence, uh, buddhya, samridya, uh, wealth, uh, uh, and uh, um, location and physical condition. Banu Swami gives a slightly different translation, although it comes to the same thing. Objects are also made pure or impure by strength, intelligence, and wealth. It means according to strength, intelligence, and wealth. These objects produce sin for the jivas under normal con- time and condition. Uh, uh, that's, that's how he understands it. Um, oh, I see. So here, here's, here's Vish, what Vishnu Chakravarti says this in his commentary on the next verse. Spoiled food is impure for those who have strength, but pure for those who do not have strength. Uh, uh, by knowledge that Impurity from birth of a son lasts 10 days. There's purity, talking about knowledge now. So if you know that after the birth of a child or son, you're impure for 10 days, uh, then you're pure because you, you understand you know, how to act. By knowledge that impurity lasts less than that, there is impurity. Knowledge if you're wrong about that. You break the rules a piece of worn-out cloth is impure for a person with wealth, but is pure for a poor person. But for a poor person, may, may, may wear some used garments. If he doesn't have enough money, then okay, you can do it. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, especially like, like pure cotton or pure silk, you you want you you want to wear these things when you're performing RTs or fire sacrifices, and uh, you may remember during Gandhi's time, or the, during the British Raj, uh, they were uh, trying to. Uh, for, they grew cotton in India, sent the raw cotton sent the raw cotton to to England where it would feed the mills of Manchester and other place. And then they would import the, the, the cotton cloth made in the mills back to India. But the Indian people didn't want to buy them because they came from an impure place overseas. And they preferred to have, you know, local homegrown cotty, uh, hand-weave cotton. So they went to some extreme measures to stop the weavers from weaving so they would not not uh, 
be able to buy anything but the imported cloth. They cut the thumbs of the weavers off in Shantipur, so they couldn't do their looms. That's so. It because so you know you didn't want to wear something impure, and so it came from Manchester outside of India. Anything outside of India was pretty much impure, except for probably money. Anyway, uh, these objects and words, etc., create sin for the jiva according to normal place and physical condition. That's what he's saying. That means that the rules become effective in a safe place not a place affected by thieves when one is healthy, not sick when one is youthful, not a baby or too old. In other words, that's when they say it applies in normal conditions, these rules. In emergency conditions or extreme conditions, then they're mitigated somewhat. And then Vishnath Chakravarti quotes a verse in which is translated, Considering the place, time, body, objects, use of objects, suitability, and circumstance, one should determine purity. So there's an uh, element of relativity that, that comes in, in, into this. Um, uh, the, the BBT purport goes on for some time. Uh, the Lord describes the purity and impurity of different places, times, and material objects. Uh, and then they said it's according to a person's situation. And they give another example. One, on certain occasions, such as a solar eclipse or just after childbirth, one must restrict intake of food according to ritualistic injunctions. Well, these are the standard rules uh, like that. Uh, I've been in Vrindavan when there was a lunar eclipse and people threw out all the food stuff in their house. It was because they'd be exposed to a lunar eclipse, it was completely impure. I mean, in Vrindavan during a lunar eclipse, it was almost like a state of high paranoia. You know, here we stand, oh, look at that, you know. <laughs> and we've never done it in our temples here like they do in Vrindavan, but that's, you know, it makes everything impure. Um... And again, uh, one who is physically weak may eat without con being considered impious during ordinary times of fasting. Do they explain this knowledge? Ordinary persons consider the 10 days following a child to be most auspicious. Yeah, it usually is in America, you know, you have a child. Uh, whereas one who is learned knows that this period is actually impure. Um, let me see, we've already gone over some of these things here. The word uh, desha, uh, place, uh, indicates that in a safe and peaceful place one is obligated to strictly perform religious rituals, whereas in a danger or chaotic situation, one may excuse for occasional negligence of secondary principles. One who is physically healthy must offer obeisances to the deities, attend religious functions, and execute his prescribed duties, but a young child or sickly person may be excused from such activities. 
has indicated the word avasta, age. Um, And then he quotes Srila Rupa Goswami, Anya Vilasita Shunam Jnana Karmadya Navdhitam Anukuryena Krishnanu Shilanam Bhaktir Uttamam. One should render transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord favorably without desire for material profit or gain through fruitive activities or philosophical speculation. That is called pure devotional service. One should accept everything which is favorable for pure devotional service and reject whatever is unfavorable. So that's basically our principle. There's all these details, but when it comes to devotional service, this is the one. What is pure and what is pure, how uh, to do it, what's favorable and unfavorable. We learn uh, uh, from the bona fide spiritual master. Uh, But otherwise, in general, these other considerations are there. Uh, then in text number 12 we go on to the consideration of uh, well 12 and 13 now goes to the topic of purification now we learn what's pure and impure now how do you purify things and so it begins again with a list Ganya Daru Asti Tantunam Rasa, Tajasa, Charmanam, Kala, Vayu, Agni, Mrit, Toyai, Parativanam, Yutadjitai. So this is Dhanya, various objects such as Dhanya, grains, Daru, wood, uh, and they say here in parentheses like wooden utensils or ordinary wooden objects, Asti, uh, bone, such as an elephant's tusk. Antunam, and thread. Antu is a thread. Uh, uh, Rasa, various liquids, uh, oil, ghee, and so on. Tajasa, fiery objects, or objects derived from fire. They mention the word for word gold, for example, is a taijasa, radiant. And uh, charma is skins. Uh, so those are the list. And then these are uh, purified by the next list kala, time, vayu, uh, uh, air, agni, fire, mrit, earth and toya, water. Partivinam, and then also uh, water from earth, like mud, pots, brick, metal things, iron, steel, uh, brass, and those are all counted as earth. Uh, uh, By earth and by water, and then it says Yuta ayuta, either separately or in combination. Krishna Chakravarti Thakur says, "It is said that the objects that objects could be purified. It was said earlier that objects could be purified by other objects. That is explained. 
And then he explains, asti means ivory, etc. Rasa means oil and ghee. Tajasa means gold and other precious metals, fiery things. But they reflect like they look like fire. Grain, wood, grains, wood, ivory cloth, liquids like oil and ghee, precious metals, skins, and earthen objects like pots and bricks become pure by time. Wind, fire, earth, and water according to scriptural rules. These purifying agents may be used in combination or singly. Thus, metals are purified by earth. Papad actually taught us that. That if you have a brass pot and you want to clean it, you take earth and you rub it on there. Well, that's, that's how it's purified. Uh, metals, earth and water and fire, two different ways you can take either combination or combination. Uh, mixtures of these things can used to be purify metal, metal objects. Please, even today, if you have to take a splinter out, you take, you take, a, <laughs> take a, a needle and hold it in fire, and then it purifies it, right? Then you can <laughs> dig the splinter out. And then he mentions wool cloth is purified by air alone. Uh, so you just take, you take a wool garment and you just hang it out in the breeze, and after some time it becomes pure. Uh, and in the BBT, they just simply mention the word kala, or time is mentioned here, since all purificatory processes take place within time. So the amount of time may, may vary. And now there's a little more detail in 13. But, you, you know, Krishna is just being thorough, <laughs> hitting all the bases. Anaja Liptam Yadjina Gandalepam Vyapohati Vajate Prakutintasya Tatschaucham Avad Ishate. So the running translation is a particular purifying agent is considered appropriate when its application removes the bad odor or dirty covering of some contaminated object and makes it resume its original shape, nature, its original nature. Uh, so anadya, the word media here is anadya. Uh, the word media uh, is, is basically means something that is fit for sacrifice. Uh, 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 therefore, clean, pure, not defiling. So major means pure, with the idea that it's fit for sacrifice. Uh, it's, it's from the word meda, uh, which means vigorous, fresh, mighty, strong, you know, so uh, fit for sacrifice. It also means if you're sacrificing an animal, it has to be also, uh, can't be a sick animal or a defective animal. That's not a problem for us, and you don't do animal sacrifices, but when you do. Uh, uh, so so here, so they're using the word amedya means really basically meaning is not fit or fit for sacrifice, uh, impure. Uh, so amedya touched uh, uh, by something, uh, liptam, uh, and by that touch it gives up uh, ganda, uh, here, the bad odor, 
or lepa, uh, its impure covering, uh, then that 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 contaminated object re, re, uh, resumes uh, assumes its prakriti, its own nature. Uh, uh, so. Uh, uh, that that the, the, whatever agent does it, the appropriate agent is what makes that happen. It removes the bad odor or the dirty covering and makes it returns it to its own uh, natural state. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur remarks: If a seat, cloth, or vessel is contaminated by an impure item. It gives up the contamination and smell by water, earth, acid, soap, and scraping. I mentioned a few things. What's, it is then restored to its original nature, that is purity. One should measure the purification from the extent that the contamination by smell is removed by scraping or other means. The BBT remarks, furniture, kitchen utensils, clothing, and other objects are purified by application of abrasion, alkali acid, not just acid here, but they mentioned alkali and acid, water, and so on. One thereby removes the bad fragrance or impure coating of such objects, restoring them to their original clean appearance, like polishing brass and uh, silver and so on like that. Okay, so that's the discussion of how it's done. how objects are purified, and how it takes place. Then in uh, text 14 uh, is the purification of atma. That is, the person who purifies. The purifying person himself or herself has to be purified. So how does that? How do you purify the self? And remember, self is body, mind, soul, the general sense of the reflective pronoun. Uh, So they say, uh, snana, dana, uh, tapa, avasta, virya, samskara, karma, bhihi, matsmitya, chatmana, socham, shuddha, karma, charet, vijaha. Uh, the the uh, uh, the cleansing of the self, atma socham. Uh, the self can be cleansed by snana, taking a bath, bathing, uh, dhana, uh, charity. That means giving in charity. Tapa, austerity, avasta, age. There's different readings on that one. But the general sense is. If you're very young or you're very old, virya, <laughs> uh, 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 one's potency or personal strength, but samskara by the execution of purificatory, you know, rituals, ritual purification, those are called the samskara, and by uh, and karma, that is to say, prescribed duties. And then, uh, and they say here, above all, matsmitya, uh, and by remembrance of me. Uh, in this way, uh, 
the Brahmin and other twice-born men, they say Dvija, a twice-born person, should perform these activities uh, and be, uh, by, should become duly purified by performing these kinds of activities. Vishnu uh, Sarvari Thakur, he says, uh, uh, he says, first of all, purification of objects has been described, starting with seven, we've gone through up till now, 14, up to thir- through 13, purification of objects has been described. Now purification of the person who purifies objects is described. Purification of the performer with his bodily identity, referring to his body, takes place by bathing, charity, austerity, old age. Here, see this avasta is here read as old age. Uh, conduct according to capability, virya, his strength. Samskaras like upanaya, that's a sacred thread ceremony. And rites such as sandhya, worship, in the morning, evening, and noon, saying dietary, for example, Trisandhya. The aim is stated. A pure person performs his duty. And then he says the Dvija is mentioned here, but this applies to Shudras as well. <laughs> just packs that on there. Uh, uh, and then they... Uh, then uh, here's the BBT purport. Then, following some other person here who says the word avasta, which Vishnu Chakravarti signals as meaning, just as age, he takes it as old age. The word avasta indicates that when boys and girls are young, they are kept pure by youthful innocence, <laughs> and that they, when they grow, and as they grow up they are kept pure through proper education and engagement. So according to age, there's different kinds of purification. Then they mentioned by one's individual potency, that's the word virya, one should avoid sinful activities and the association of those inclined towards sense gratification. The word karma here refers to prescribed duties, such as worshiping the spiritual master and the deity chanting the Gayatri Mantra three times a day, that's that Sanja, and accepting spiritual initiation. The prescribed duties of the Varnashram system automatically purify one from the covering of false ego by dovetailing one's bodily designation in appropriate religious activities. Uh, I'll skip a little bit. The most significant word here is Matsmitya, uh, by remembrance of me. Ultimately, one cannot avoid the infection of illusion through any process except Krishna consciousness. I mean, it's interesting that really in in talking about his generally ritualistic performances for sense gratification, Krishna nevertheless mentions this. Uh, So it purifies everybody, uh, whoever you are. Uh Uh-huh. And then here in this verse, they, 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 uh, in this purport, they chant a uh, verse that we use from the Garuda Purana, Apavitra pavitra va sarvavastam gatopi va yasmaret pundrikaksham sabayabhyantare suchihi. 
they have a little different grammar here than the one that we use, but uh, whether one is pavitra or apavitra, pure or impure, sarvavastam gatobiba, or whatever situation in life one finds oneself, if that person can remember the lotus-eyed Lord, then he is suchi, vaya, and amyantara, inside and out. Uh, 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 so, so that's... Uh, that's... If, if one takes the, the process of Krishna consciousness, and they mention and by chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, uh, which you can take with you everywhere, and you can chant it no matter where you are, in what conditions, you're pure. Uh, now, we'll go on a little while longer. Uh, uh, it's a little technical and, and maybe not exactly appropriate to everybody's circumstances. Nevertheless, in the very end of uh, his pastimes, Krishna took the time to explain all these things to Uddhava. So it helps us somehow, rather, know this stuff. Uh, Mantrasya, 15 now. Uh, 15 is about the purification of mantra and karma. These two things are in this text. Mantrasya cha parijnanam. Parijnanam. Parijnana, correct knowledge. Mantrasya cha parijnanam. Karma shuddhir madarpanam, dharma sampadyate shuddhir, adharmas tu viparyaya. Uh, uh, a mantra of a mantra, the purification of mantrasya, uh, is purified with parigyana, correct knowledge, enchanted with proper knowledge. Uh, so, for example, in the beginning, anybody comes in and chants Krishna consciousness, chants, chants the Hare Krishna mantra, and we say, just do it, join in, okay. But then if you want, if you want to become effective in the mantra, the potency of the mantra to really be acting, acting on, one, one has to follow the, the, the proper procedure and learn how to chant the Hare Krishna mantra with proper care and attention, and chanting while trying to avoid offenses. If one continues to chant and does not try to avoid offenses, then that mantra will not act. Uh, so the mantra is already pure, but it, but but its, its efficacy won't be released unless we chant it in the right way. Now the rules are very simple for chanting Hare Krishna compared to what you have to do to chant, say, the Gayatri mantras. But nevertheless, one has to, in essence, the rule is to chant the Hare Krishna mantra while trying to avoid offenses. Just trying, just carefully trying, uh, and not giving up is sufficient to release the potencies uh, of, the ma- of the mantra. So that's the idea of proper knowledge. And the purification of work, Madarpanam, uh, when it's done for me. So again, you see how Krishna is like moving in toward, toward a devotional service. Uh, so he's mentioned these two things here, mantra and work. Uh, mantra, when there's knowledge, 
and work is, uh, becomes pure when offered to me. Thus, uh, dharma is achieved. Uh, uh, that is to say, religio- religiousness, dharma is achieved when there's purification of place, time, substance, doers, mantras, and work. Now, this, this now su- summarizes by the six, the shadbihi, by the six. Those are those six things we have considered. Purification of place, purification of time, purification of substance, purification of doer, purification of mantra, and purification of work. And otherwise, the opposite, vipariya, adharma, your religion. I'm just going to uh, uh, look at the purports. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says here. Uh, oh, there he has. A, he says purification of mantra is described. Suitable knowledge from the mouth of the pure guru purifies a mantra. So, Prabhupada has talked about it. Should be received from the proper source, because with with the mantra comes knowledge also. And then he says, action is purified by offering it to the Lord. If not offered, it is impure. By purity of these six items, one should conduct oneself in life. After showing purity and purity, purity and impurity, everything is summarized. By the purity of six items, place, time, object, perform a mantra and action, Dharma is accomplished. When there is impurity of these items, it is a cause of a dharma. So it's a pretty neat summary, actually, here that that's, that's wound up here uh, with this uh, with this uh, part. The BBT purport: One receives a mantra from the mouth of a bona fide spiritual master, who instructs the disciple in the method meaning and ultimate purpose of the mantra. We have met many people that are chanting mantras and haven't understood a thing. There's no instruction whatsoever. Some guru comes and people pay some money, gives them basically a bija mantra, nothing more about you just chant that. But they don't do anything else uh, or know anything about it. It doesn't work. The bona fide spiritual master in this age gives his disciples the Maha Mantra with the holy name of God, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. One who chants this mantra, considering himself to be the eternal servant of the Lord, gradually learns to chant offenselessly and by such purified chanting quickly achieves the highest perfection of life. The Lord here summarizes his discussion of purity and impurity, which manifests ultimately in religious and irreligious life. So that takes us up to text 16. And uh, then the topic changes. So this is a good place since we've run out of time anyway. And it is a good place to break here. And then we'll go on 16 through 18, relativity and consideration of piety and sin. We go back uh, to uh, that topic. And then uh, the, the topic changes again, 19 to 22, the
faults of the path of sense enjoyment. And then 23 to 25, the provisions made by the Vedas for sense enjoyer. And then uh, more consideration, the inability of sense enjoyers to understand the Vedas. And then this chapter ends, beginning with uh, X35, uh, about the Vedic sound. It goes really into the nature of uh, Vedic sound. It really goes on, takes a very interesting direction. Uh, so that's what's coming up. So we'll end here today with this uh, uh, discussion about purity and impurity and then pick up again with text number 16. So now we will be ready to... I will... Uh, okay, the Q&A session has started, and I will put speakerphone and turn the volume up. It's up all the way, and so people can call in if you have some... Uh, on the conference call, and we can all hear you in the studio audience, and hopefully on Ustream. Ustream people can, if you have any questions or comments, can text in you know, your question, and they'll be read aloud to all of us and shared. I believe I am on speaker, yes. Uh -huh. We do have a question on the phone. Yes, Gail, go ahead. Hi, Fishmaraj. Uh, my question is, um, what is the difference between purifying an object and cleaning an object? What, is what does it mean to purify something, if not, you know? Well, um, um, it's sometimes they're the same thing. Uh, Although we would not use some things for cleansing, like that, that, uh, that uh, like we polish brass in the temple. Really, brass should be cleaned by by using using mud, things like that. We usually use brass polish, and that has chemicals in it that are you know not very clean. They're also it's, you're, you're puring it, but you're, you're cleansing it, but it's by something that's impure. So a lot of a lot of things that you clean with may also be impure. Uh, uh, however, we wash it off with water later, uh, and that then removes the contamination of what you were clean, cleaned it with. So, so anything that purifies something should cleanse it, but not everything that cleanses something will necessarily purify it. Mm -hmm. That's my understanding. Yeah, so, okay, I understand that, but, you know, I don't have a conception of what it means to, you know, purify something. What What is being, what is it being purified of? You know, like if, if you know, soap and water, you know, you clean something, if that doesn't necessarily purify well, it, then... Well, it cleanses it. Sometimes it does. It removes dirt, bad smells, uh, contamination. Uh, and a lot of times the cleansing doesn't really purify things either, by the way. But anyway, that's not, I just read a whole story. Yeah, and that's what I'm interested in. When, yeah. when is it that cleansing something doesn't purify it? What is remaining on the object that is why it's considered 
not pure. Well, I'll tell you what I, what I just read about. Somebody did a study. And, and they discovered that, that if some ordinary person's undergarments are washed in a washing machine, it just spreads this fecal matter attached to the underwear, which then contaminates absolutely everything and it's still on there after being washed and dried, for example. Because most people don't know how to even purify themselves after defecating. So the things that are contaminated, except for the except for the dung and urine of a cow, for various obvious reasons, uh, human and animal excretia is contaminated. Generally in India, the right hand is considered pure and the left hand is contaminated because generally uh, the right hand is for eating and if you have to cleanse yourself after uh, passing uh, stool or urine, you use your left hand. It's a pretty good hygienic method, isn't it? And that way you don't uh, you know, get uh, bad bacteria in your mouth. Uh, uh, so, so, so these are not only public health measures, uh, but they also generally make you uh, pure means you're, you're able to perform activities dedicated to Krishna and you're able to uh, perform, uh, uh, offer things to Krishna that are pure. So we try, we try to do those things. Uh, when we, in, 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 the, in the deity kitchen, when you're cooking, there are many rules and regulations you should follow. You shouldn't talk. Because if you're sitting there cooking something for Krishna while you're talking, spray of saliva may come out of your mouth and all these things like that, and that contaminates it. So we try to uh, use some, some of these, some of these, uh, uh, we follow these, these procedures. So that's the, the general meaning of what is pure and what is impure. Uh, shuddha and ashuddha uh, is, is just being described how, how it's done. And it's, it's a rule and it comes down from Krishna. If this is, if this is good, you know, if this is this, this what's done properly, I'll accept it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you, if uh, I, 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 I knew a devotee who grew up in India in a Brahmin community. When he came into his village, just from the outside the village of, of all Brahmins, before he could go in, he had to take off his clothes that he wore outside and take a bath and then put something else on so just to, to go inside. If, 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 if a dog came and sniffed him, he had to take a bath. All these different rules are there. Like, like, and if, 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 I'm, if I'm supposed to go on the altar and, and uh, do a puja for the deities, if uh, a small child comes and my grandson or something and sits on my lap and he's got a diaper on and, you know, he's a jewelly baby, I really have to put on clean clothes and take a bath because I've been contaminated. 
because of that contact. So these are the rules for purity and impurity. Uh, it, 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 most of these, a lot of them are, are you know, you, you see them also in strict Judaism. They have other rules for purity and impurity, which uh, they, they, they also follow, times where you're impure and times where you're not pure and, and so on. This is all there laid down in the scripture. Some of the things we can't practice now, that's why here there's a, a certain amount of relativity involved in these according to different circumstances, according to the place you're in and the time you're in, your abilities and so on. But these are the rules for, for cleanliness. For, 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 for purity. Purity and cleanliness is purity. All purity is cleanliness, and a lot of cleanliness is purity, too. And purity we define really as just, you know, obeying God's rule for purifying something. Yeah, something made by our modern standards may be considered to be clean but still be impure. Yeah, or the other way around, if I watch something up with cow dung, uh, somebody may think now it's all cow, but cow dung is pure. And it is, actually. Uh, if, if the cows are treated right, I mean, the cows in the United States, their dung is full of E. coli and so many things, they're being fed meat. But if you get, you know, cows that are cared for property, the, the cow dung is, is pure. It's actually antiseptic. I even, once when, when I was up in Massachusetts, I met this old farmer who told me that when he got a cut, he just put cow dung on it and it wouldn't get infected. Don't, don't try it now, you know, by, by, by the feed, stuff in the feedlots. That's something else again. But the cow dung and cow urine, and there are medicines made with cow dung and cow urine. I used them myself, but I get, get them in India from the right place, and they work. Is there any difference between the the purification that cow dung renders and the purification that cow urine renders, or is it equal? Uh, of that, I am ignorant. I, I can't tell you. Okay, anyway, I did my best with the answer to that one. Uh, maybe it's somebody else. We should give somebody else a chance if they have any more questions or comments. Mm-hmm. Um. Dinesh asks, does the samskaras like, like marriage purify the soul, and how should Vaishnavas consider these samskaras as they are not direct emotional spirits? Uh, the samskaras, yeah, they are purifying. Uh, uh, um, and, but again, it's like a mantra. It's purifying, but the samskara, you also have to undertake it in the, in the, in the, in the in the right condition. Otherwise, everybody's just going through the motions uh, and taking vows they're not going to keep or have no intention of keeping and so on. So people may do that, so the efficacy may may not really be there. But there are different samskaras, the lifestyle ceremonies, uh, marriage, initiation, birth of a child. There's a lot of them. We have a, a book of them. Uh, and... Uh, 
and you know they're, they're useful to be observed for people. They're good for taking vows. Initiation is a samskara. Sannyas is a samskara. All, all, all of these things are uh, uh, are there uh, for this person. And, and so if they're done the right way, they're useful. They're, they're, they're helpful. Uh, 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 otherwise, they, yeah, if, if they won't work. So that you know, like like any anything, uh, the, the the priest has to be bona fide, and the, the other people participating have to have to be sincere. Um, Mahavidi writes, "What is the most appropriate way of staying pure while dealing with impurity, resulting from death and dying?" At the hospital, I have to deal with people dying quite a lot. Do these rules for dealing with dead bodies apply, or rather verse 17 apply? You cannot become impure with the hospital environment by definition is not here. Yeah, well, people have that work to do. And, and it's you know, generally if in the hospital environment you're in in touch with all kinds of impure things, and it's dangerous, actually, as Marissa and all these kind of things that only seem to grow in hospitals. It's almost like back to the 19th century <laughs> in hospitals. But, but, uh, but uh, if uh, for ourselves, you know, you have to take the pavitra pavitra of mantra seriously. That that if one always remembers Krishna, uh, then then that keeps one pure no matter what conditions you're 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 going through. Uh, uh, but you, you you may notice like like in the traditional Ayurvedic medicine. I mean, the only time a doctor touches a patient it practically is is to feel the pulse. You know, and look at the time, and uh, there's very there's very little of uh, this other kinds of things that uh, that we do today, fooling with blood and bodily fluids all the time, and all that stuff. It's a different medical system, and uh, you know, you can debate whether it stops us from making advancement or not. But <laughs> that 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 was that was one of the considerations, you know. Uh, for that, 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 I think that, that, that kind of uh, that kind of de- dealing with people. But I mean, today uh, we are living in a land where you don't see the footprints of the spotted antelope. It's not a pure place. Uh, as soon as you go outside, it's impure. Uh, um, you know. It's just because because you're walking down the street and you run into a cloud of tobacco smoke. You have to be careful about the dog stool. You you know some of these things are getting better. I must say there's a little more purification taking place, but uh, but the air everything is is contaminated. But the that but it becomes but, but by chanting Hare Krishna actually that sound the Hare Krishna mantra. It potently goes into the ether, which is the subtlest of elements. And that when the ether becomes purified, 
then then gradually the air becomes purified. It works that way, you know. The creation takes place from subtle to gross. And also purification will also go the same way. The ether, uh, thinking takes place in, in the ether. I mean, your mind is in a space, right? What is that space? Well, space is ether. And so impure thoughts actually spread. No need for telepathy. They, they, they go out and impure speech that sound goes into the ether. Whether you think it, whether it's silent speech or uttered speech, there's impurification. And, and, and so you can just imagine how polluted the ether is. And if the ether is polluted, then, then air becomes polluted, and fire and water and earth all become polluted. And so by, by putting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra into the ether, uh, purification takes place. And, and, and interestingly enough, you know, after Prabhupada came to America and people started chanting Hare Krishna, people got serious about a few things. I mean, it used to be as a devotee to fly in an airplane was almost impossible because people are smoking like crazy, you know. And at least in this America now, you you, you know, it's it's clean. It's, it, it, it's just because it's, things are becoming pure, and the water is becoming a little bit pure, and the, you know the air is becoming a little more pure, and and so on. You've got a long ways to go, but at least there's some some attempt in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to make a comment about his question, like. It, I mean, it says that one's work is purified and offered to me. And my understanding was, just like in the Bhagavad Gita, everyone is, is entitled to their work, but they're not entitled to the fruits of the work. And that's why it's so important when you have a job, because almost every job has some impurities involved, there's some contamination, even if it isn't as bad as working with dead bodies in a hospital. But you take some of that money you earn and you you give it to Krishna, you give it to something Krishna conscious or someone Krishna con- something, and maybe we're not all up to the standard of fifty percent yet that Prabhupada said. But I know when people first get married, I always say, then figure it out backwards. How much how much money can you afford to give? And maybe maybe it's just one dollar a week, but then you then you use your computer and figure out. One dollar is one, you know, point zero 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 percentage of my income, but I give that freely, and then you just keep it at that. Whether you become a billionaire or you even get poor, you know, and I think that really purifies the work because then part of your work is offered to Krishna, and it purifies the work itself. And I mean, to kind of add, I I still think like way back in. 1968, when we were out in Oregon, and and you were been <laughs> you were working in that tin can factory and cutting the string with that that thumb knife, and and you were saying you were trying so hard to follow the Bhagavad Gita and work without being attached to the work, and you were trying to like say that don't be attached, don't be attached while you're cutting that string, and I was like saying don't think about things like that, you're going to cut your thumbs off, you know, and then. 
but but you took some of that money that you earned, you know, after the bills were paid, and and went up to Portland and and got a baller on beauty. So I mean, really, it was Krishna answering your prayer. You knew you were trying. So I just think that it's really important that we all, off the top, what you know, even if it's a small percentage, we purify our work by by giving some of it to to Krishna, put it in the hundi box, or send it here or there. Some Krishna conscious project. That's the end of my, pontif- my pontification. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Well, that's really important. And that's what Prabhupada yeah. said to do. Then, yeah. then, then the work itself becomes devotional service. The fruits are used for, for, yeah. for Christmas service. Yeah. But you said the best way is to make the whole society Christian conscious. We're already getting 50% of income for taxes, at least in Europe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I assume in Prabhupada says fifty percent of your income, fifty percent of the income, it's it, it's after taxes and not before, by the way, because you would you wouldn't have anything left to live on <laughs> in some places. Well, I really just thank you. Thanks a lot, Shalom. Um, okay, Janava has a question on the phone. Go ahead, Janava. Hi, Krishna Rabindra through Prabhu. It's Janava Devi Dasi. Um, we're talking about purification and by the tongue, by so many methods, one object purifying another. So one thing that I think of as a school teacher, when I was going to school, college, they always said that um, one negative said to a child or a peer, a colleague, takes three positives to erase the negative. You know, sometimes we'll hear it takes two Balarams to equal a Krishna when we're chanting. Sometimes people ask. So when things are peaceful, like today, uh, here in class, there's harmony, and our minds are focused on Krishna. And when things are a little less peaceful, disagreements, differences of opinions, sometimes we hear devotees criticizing other devotees. Now, sometimes it's done because they're defending someone, defending a wife, defending a daughter, defending a child, defending a teacher, and other times it might just be out of immaturity. It seems like when there's a defensive mechanism involved, sometimes people just react but justify it because they're defending someone they love. So I just am wondering, since we live in the Kali Yuga, there seems the age of quarrel, what do we need to do to protect ourselves and others from Vaishnava Aparad? Yeah, well, that's that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's a big thing to do. I mean, it's because because uh, you know, and it's it's natural that there will sometimes be disagreements. Uh, Prabhupada even remarked uh, there uh, is even disagreements in the spiritual world. He called it transcendental disagreement there. In other words, since the subject matter, if the subject matter of disagreement is how to best serve Krishna, and some say let's serve Krishna this way, and some say let's serve Krishna that way, then uh, that's a transcendental disagreement. Uh, and in the spiritual world, uh, people continue to wish each other well. That's the that's the, the to me that's that's the big thing. Even though there's a disagreement, 
you wish each other well. Uh, when there's, there's animosity, uh, there's envy, uh, where uh, in the material world, you always see it, you know, you riding in a car, go to hell, you know, taxi driver, go to hell, you know. <coughs> there's, 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 there's that, when you say that, that's not wish, wishing people well. It's, it's cursing them. So one, one should try to remain everyone's well-wisher. Uh, and uh, and that, uh, uh, I mean, this requires some development of Krishna consciousness. Mm-hmm. Because we, 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 we know that uh, sometimes um, uh, we've seen in our Hare Krishna movement that uh, there are whole websites you can go there uh, where, where people think the Vaishnava Aparad is their service to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people fall into the, the, a period of like uh, chronic fault-finding with a great deal of self-righteousness when it's being done. Uh, you see this in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, by the way, with the story of Ramachandra Puri and, and, and Mahaprabhu, who had Ramachandra Puri, who was the, the, uh, also a disciple of Madhavendra Puri and a godbrother of Ishwara Puri, who was Mahaprabhu's guru. So he considered himself to be, you know, like his guru. Ramachandra Puri. He was a Guru Varga, the same godbrother of the Guru. Uh, but but he had had he had greatly offended Madhavendra Puri. Madhavendra Puri, uh, in his last days, was in the ecstasy of separation from Krishna and the mood of Radharani, and was lamenting. Uh, I, I can't find Krishna. I don't see Krishna. Where is Krishna? And Ramachandra Puri, who was contaminated by Mayavad philosophy, says, why are you lamenting? A sochati and a kansati, you know, uh, you should be concentrating on Brahman. And in this way, he actually criticized uh, Madhavendra Puri. And so he didn't get his mercy. Ishwar Puri did and was able to become the, the spiritual master uh, of, of Mahaprabhu. Uh, but but uh, it's just interesting to look at this mechanism. Why did what, what did what did what did uh, uh, Ramachandra Puri do? He offended his spiritual master, like on a very basic, fundamental principle of Krishna consciousness. He had done something really bad. He didn't regret it. He still considered himself, but he still wanted to be considered like the spiritual master of Lord Chaitanya. So he became a fault finder, and he came to Puri. And he was criticizing how much Lord Chaitanya and his followers eat. He became an inspector of how much everybody ate. He criticized them all the time. I see the disciples of of Chaitanya, they're eating too much. He's a sannyasi, he shouldn't eat too much. There are ants in the room that can see somebody's eating sweets. And in this way, and so Mahaprabhu, it's interesting how he took it. Well, this is like my spiritual master. I, I, I follow him. He's right. A sannyasi shouldn't 
shouldn't eat so much, and so he stopped going to his disciples' houses every day for prasadam, and they were just stricken that Mahaprabhu wasn't coming by and eating at their houses. He started to eat very, very little. And they, 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 they uh, said to him, you know, look, this is this, this, this Ramachandra Puri, you know what he does? He sits down with people and says, have more to eat, have more to eat, and piles food on their plates. And then later he says to people, do you see how much he ate? He said, that's his nature. That's his nature. And, and, and Mahaprabhu said, well, never mind. What he's saying is correct. I'm a sannyasi. I shouldn't eat this much. So people were like very upset. Then when Ramachandapuri went away, then at the time, gradually, they just sort of went, went back to, to, to their, their practice. That's the whole story mm-hmm. that, that's in, 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 in Chaitanya uh, Charitamrita, just to show us these things were going on in Lord Chaitanya's time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just very interesting that these things happened, and we should learn how, how Lord Chaitanya dealt with it. Uh, and we should also see that with Ramachandra Puri, he was trying to, trying to be the guru, although he had failed to be the disciple, but still trying to be the guru. And maybe somewhere deep inside, you know, he knew he had done something wrong, but he couldn't admit it. So he was then going to become showing everybody his, his spiritual acuity and by instructing them all on how much to eat or not to eat. And so he substitutes the major virtue, his relationship to the spiritual master, his major thing, he failed at, but so there he elevated some fairly minor principle into the major thing. So we just see these kind of things will will sometimes uh, go on within spiritual societies. What what, what can you do? But it's there in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Mm-hmm. A wonderful reference. Uh, Thank you. And, and you know, one one should learn forbearance. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, but the main thing is is for myself and and for ourselves, we should look to make sure that we aren't falling into some trap like 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 Ramachandra Puri. So there's lots of four out things in the Chaitanya. Yeah, yeah, that's a wonderful reference. It's um, this is probably the 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 way Prabhupada, not probably, but how he taught us to learn by reading and studying so much. Then these references are accessible as they are with you. So thank you for sharing that. Um, The influences influences are there. So I guess in a society, I often heard well, not often, but I heard. Um, one of your godbrothers say one time that ISKCON right now, which was about five years ago, in its teenage years. So, uh, you know, we're growing. We're only 45 years old. Um, and so their mistakes are still being made among the devotees, learning how to become a harmonious society that Prabhupada wanted. So sometimes people make mistakes and, and, and others exploit it. You know, you could see by some of these... Um, devotees who, like you said, speak negatively all the time and they, make a, uh, they just make a habit of it. But sometimes you see devotees who've made mistakes in their past, but yet others seem to never really forgive that mistake. So whenever mm-hmm. this vulnerability comes to play where devotees are against devotees or devotees are defending teachers or friends, 
then all of a sudden they bring up the dirt from 20 years ago. And it's like, when, how do we learn to really forgive? And when do we notice devotees doing good things for years and years and years? And yet when times get tough, I don't know if it's immaturity, all of a sudden they bring in the past. That's been so long forgotten, I would imagine, by Prabhupada because of the goodness that people are exhibiting in their service to Prabhupada and Krishna. So my question is, you know, maybe what do we do when we hear this and how do we get rid of that past and when do we begin to forgive and accept, you know, a person's service over their past experiences and mistakes? Well, good, good questions, you know. Prabhupada uh, tended to forgive people quite often. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes uh, he brought people back to the movement that had made a mistake and left. And sometimes they were okay, and sometimes they did the same thing all over again. Mm. But we should we should take a risk. I think we should err on the side of generosity. Mm-hmm. But uh, also we shouldn't be foolish. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you. This is this is very helpful, and it also seems like we're judging when we're judging ourselves. We need to be a little harder on ourselves, and always see if that motive of caring for someone's, um, you know, being someone's well wisher is always in place. Yeah, within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Ramananda has a question. Mm-hmm. If your wife is on the phone, um, good thing. Where's Ramananda? Uh, oh, Ramananda. Oh, oh, me. Sadamani. Yeah, yeah, okay. you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, maybe it's irreverent or something, but 45 years old is pretty old for an adolescent, really. <laughs> or actually, you know, whatever. But um, yeah. uh, go, go, uh, a friend of mine, a devotee friend of mine, told me that just recently um, um, Govinda Dasi was uh, rela- relaying a story. Um, Govinda Dasi, the original Govinda Dasi from Hawaii, and she was saying how you can take a snake and freeze him. And he's completely harmless. He doesn't even move. And you bring him in the house and warm him up, he'll still bite you, you know, because it's his nature. And and it was kind of in reference more like, um, you know, how it, like it's actually an offense to even think of the past of a Vaishnav. You know, we don't we don't do that. But I don't remember the verse. Someone better than me can find it. But where it says that when somebody does something that's um, definitely wrong or commits something, then you bring, all of a sudden, you remember that. You know, I, I think well, that's the story of uh, Balaram and uh, what's his name? Uh, Ramaharshana uh, Sutta. Ramaharshana. That's, that's what yeah, I was thinking, but I wasn't sure. Balaram. Then they remembered. <laughs> yeah, be, before that, before yeah. that, everyone just didn't pay any attention to his past. But when, mm-hmm. when, he, when he disrespected Balaram, then all of a sudden the past was, you could look at the past, you know. So, mm-hmm. so like you said, I mean, you know, it's kind of the same way. I mean, we have to be so careful. And, and when it's, if someone is, we're actually, if, if someone's 
committing Vaishnava Aparad, we should even, we should just walk away or, I mean, what is the other thing? You cut their head off or something? I don't know. I don't remember that. But it's just, it's not like we just sort of tolerate it and think, well, you know, we're still learning or something. You know, we have to, we have to act. We either just go away from that association or something. You know, we can't just let it go by, you know. Or we can, but just don't continue to hear it. Anyway, that was my comment. And okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Um, okay. Ramnada asks, um, if you can elaborate more on the 10 days later rain is purified, what is that all about? Seems like 10 days later water of any kind would get stagnant. I cannot comment on that because um, these are these are really uh, uh, beyond the scope of my experience. Uh, these are written at a time when rainwater is usually considered to be fairly pure, is it not? Yeah. I mean, people used to collect it to put it in their irons and stuff like that. It comes down. Of course, nowadays, the acid rain is coming down, and who knows what pollutants are in it. And uh, I remember my, at a certain point in my life, we learned not to not to eat snow because it had high lead content and all those things like that. Uh, uh, so, so, but no, uh, if the conditions of the earth are fine, rain is pretty clean. But it's still, you know, but usually every rain drop, there's a little bit of dust in it. Usually the kernel of a raindrop is a, is a dust that the rain forms around. So if it sits for 10 days, whatever extraneous things came down with it would probably go to the bottom of the barrel. It may also be that sunlight purified its water. If you spit out rainwater, that's one method of purification of the water is allowing the sun to sit the water and that purified. Can you, can, you, can you hear her? Yeah? Yeah, yeah so, so also sunlight will also purify Maybe it's sitting, the sunlight goes on it, and it purifies it too. But otherwise, I really don't know. I mean, we don't usually drink water around, rainwater around here. We get it out of the taps, and God knows what kind of condition it's in. But that's another thing. One more question. Maharani asks, regarding forbearance, where is the borderline between forbearance and failure to act on something wrong that is growing on around us? Yeah, well, it depends upon your responsibilities, especially if it's damaging other people and hurting other people uh, and causing a disruption in devotional service. Then, then you, then you, then you, maybe your responsibility to act and to do something. Yeah, you you have, you have to see uh, if there's damage being done and and. Uh, and uh, so sometimes, sometimes things just simply should not be tolerated. There was the, the famous, famous case in New York where there's a gross deviation of, a, of, a, of a, one of Prabhupada's leaders, and uh, under, under him many, many things were going on. And he was treating the devotees quite cruelly. Uh, and, uh, and things like 
plans were being offered to the deities in the temple and all kinds of stuff was happening. I don't want to go into the details, but it was it was quite a scandal and it finally Ford finally got to Srila Prabhupada. And uh, and at the one hand he 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 uh, criticized the devotees for not when they saw that very basic principles of Krishna consciousness were being broken, that he didn't bring it to somebody else's attention. Like what they should have done is immediately, if this, this person, who I think at the time was a GBC or BBT trustee, they should have gone to Srila Prabhupada. And they didn't. So he pointed out to the devotees in New York that when you surrender, it doesn't mean you surrender your intelligence, that is, your discrimination. And they should have gone to the proper channels. If somebody had done something wrong, you report it to the higher authorities. Uh, in the Krishna consciousness movement, we have authorities. Uh, uh, every temple president has a GBC. And now the way ISKCON is organized, like all the GBCs in, in America, there's a, a North American regional governing body goes to them with a complaint about misconduct. You go through the proper channels. You just go around finding fault or criticism. You bring it to the proper channels. Something's going wrong with them. You go up finally to the ultimate managing authority, which is the, the whole governing body commission for the International Study Krishna Consciousness. You have to do that. So people weren't reporting this to Srila Prabhupada. And he said, he said, you should never surrender your intelligence. That is your discrimination. On the other hand, he actually praised praised the devotee that in spite of so many things going wrong and being very badly treated, they nevertheless kept on with their service. He appreciated that. That was that was the good side that that happened. So never surrender your intelligence. You surrender with your by means of your intelligence. It's the, the, the intelligence is the guide that gives us the correct placement of faith. Uh, and and uh, so that that we should we always retain. Okay. Anything else? All right, so we will start now with next with text number uh, 16 next Sunday. Okay, thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srila Bhagavatam Ki Jai.